Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Bunny Michael. When you approach your life from the consciousness of your higher self, the knowing how worthy you are, every aspect of your life begins to change. Your relationships, your career, your self-care, your body image, everything. Because this is the process of unlearning the conditioning of our culture that raised us to believe we have to prove ourselves to belong. True success starts with knowing how much you deserve. Following your higher self is an awakening process and it's no easy feat. But as you will hear from the callers on this podcast, our paths might look different, but our journey is the same. Welcome to EXO Higher Self. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 84. Thank you so much for being here. I am so psyched for today's episode because it is featuring our special monthly guest. And this month's guest is Amanda Yates Garcia, otherwise known as the Oracle of Los Angeles. Amanda hosts a podcast called Between the Worlds Podcast, which is an amazing podcast all about tarot and mythology. It's such a beautiful podcast, very popular. She is a witch, a healer, a medium. She has been doing this work since 2013. She's the author of a book called Initiated Memoir of a Witch. And here's a special little thing that I just found out about. I didn't even know this, and I can't believe I didn't ask her about this because I didn't know to ask her about this. But in 2017, she appeared on the Tucker Carlson Tonight Show regarding her binding spell that she put on Donald Trump to galvanize change symbolically in order for him to stop harming people. What? She appeared on the Tucker Carlson Show? I've got to look that up and check that out. That is amazing. All right. I don't want to keep you waiting any longer. Let's get it started. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Bunny. So great to be here with you. I'm so excited for this convo. I'm so excited for this conversation. I'm so excited to hear more about all of the magical things that you do. Same. I'm really excited to go deeper into your whole philosophy of what you do because it seems very well thought out and rigorous. Oh, thank you. So because we're sharing this with both of our audiences, maybe we should do a little intro for ourselves, right? I love that idea so much. Do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Okay, so I'm Bunny Michael, and I'm a multidisciplinary artist and spiritual coach, guide, and my work is interested in 
accessing your higher self, which is who you are deconditioned by your learned hierarchical beliefs. So anything that rates people in terms of a hierarchy of human worth, whether that's race, class, gender, status. And I'm interested in the process of unlearning that conditioning to find your true self and find your worth through love and compassion and to see other people's higher self as well, thus transforming the world <laughs> to in a place of equality and justice and love. So all my work is kind of based around that, including my podcast, Exo Higher Self, and my art and my memes and all that kind of stuff. That's what I do. Oh, I love it. That's so beautiful. It's such important work. And to have that clarity, a perspective and vision about exactly what you're doing and have everything that you're doing realignment in that is... It's really inspiring. Um, For me, I am Amanda Yates Garcia, and I have a podcast called Between the Worlds Podcast, where we talk about art and tarot and magic and witchcraft and ecology and literature. And that is essentially what my work is all about. I've also written a book, a memoir called Initiated Memoir of a Witch. And I have a background in the arts, specifically in dance and in writing and film and video and critical theory. And basically, my main interest is in the idea of enchantment. So I'm really interested in the idea of the world as alive, as newness, as recognizing the intelligence and creativity and agency that permeates the entire universe, whether it's through rocks and stones or whether it's through individuals or humans or how humans are interacting with the biosphere all the time, that there's no division really between human animals in the more than human world, like the birds and the fish and the bacteria. So I'm really interested in re-invoking magic as as a way of understanding the aliveness of the world and the lack of division between the intellect and our lived experience. Yeah. So, and, and, and I feel like that there's an implied justice involved in that as well, because I'm really interested in, in recovering a pre-colonial or decolonial worldview, making it so that we don't exactly, as you suggested, don't recognize or don't internalize the voices of uh, oppression, authority, patriarchy, white supremacy, etc. And I also think about the arts as a place where enchantment kind of retreated during the Enlightenment as a kind of refuge where the idea of the numinous or the enchanted or the magical was able to be kept alive and now it's coming back into the world through these spaces. So that's what I'm interested in investigating. I also run monthly moon ceremonies and classes and workshops with my collaborator, Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs, who's the producer of my podcast. And I see Clients 101 and help them uh, recover the magic in their life and find power through that. That's awesome. That's really cool. You know, one of the reasons why I was really excited to have this discussion with you is because on Exo Higher Self, we talk a lot about the process of unlearning our conditioning through, you know, 
systematic oppressive conditioning and then also the beliefs that we end up with, you know, based on the trauma we've experienced or the pain we've gone through and these unconscious things that are sort of coloring our reality and keeping us from really knowing our worth and knowing the inherent worth in all people. And it really being a practice and it being a never ending practice of unlearning that stuff, because it's not only is it the things that you've experienced in your past and the, the system that we're born into, but it's also constantly, the messaging is constantly coming at you on a daily basis through, you know, through popular culture, the internet and all, all different kinds of ways. And knowing your experience and your wisdom around things like tarot and other magical practices, I thought it would be really cool to talk about how we can use that stuff to help facilitate that um, that path of unlearning and you know finding your worth and how how you see it playing a role in that way. Yeah, I mean, tarot can do so many different things for you, right? We can read it as kind of fortune telling, where we're asking for predictions about what might happen in our life, and then we can also use it as a way of storytelling or a way of looking at our lives from a different perspective or re-narrativizing our lives in different ways. I feel as far as being able to heal our psyche, as you're suggesting, that one of the things that tarot can do is destabilize our inherent and ingrained beliefs about ourselves, or the way that a situation is working or a way that we feel like the world works. And so as I'm sure you probably agree, a lot of the time our conditioning that we internalize, whether it's from the culture or from our trauma or from our family of origin, gets us to believe that we are a certain way and that when things happen in life, they happen in a very specific way. And that way might not be to our benefit. And so, for instance, when you pull a tarot card, it asks you to look at the at the situation from a different perspective that might be completely different from how you would normally see the situation. And so it asks you to expand your mind to expand your worldview. And because it's based on these mystery traditions that have evolved over essentially like hundreds, if not thousands of years, it's also bringing into your situation or invoking the wisdom of the ages and the wisdom of the ancestors. And so you're essentially entering into a dialogue with what I call spirit or what I understand as spirit which is that numinous um, intelligence of the natural world of our own psyches and of our relations and ancestors throughout history and space and time. Wow, that's really cool. I never really thought of it in terms of it evoking your ancestors and all of this past stuff, like bringing it into the present moment, but it makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah, because essentially the images that are used in tarot come from somewhere and the symbols that are used in tarot come from somewhere. And, and those, those symbols, those images, those what are called correspondences in magic. So when you, for instance, relate a planet to a number or a color or an herb or an idea, 
that's not just springing from nowhere. It's springing essentially from the well of a mirror, the well of the ancestors, that collective unconscious. And so much like any kind of work that excavates consciousness, what can be brought forth is both the medicinal aspects of the the messaging or the the medicinal aspects of the card and it can also show you the obstacle or what's what you're up against you know like it can it can help you identify what is getting in your way or what might need to be integrated or seen from a different perspective because whatever we, you know, don't want to see or whatever we're ignoring, we might push into the unconscious or collectively we push into the unconscious and then we project on other people. So it's it's a means, it's a doorway. In fact, tarot cards are called keys, which implies like a threshold or a crossing of some kind, an entry into some other new world or some other world. It's a key or a doorway that allows us entry into that other world, into the realms of the unconscious in a way where we can engage with it consciously and integrate it with our conscious life rather than having unconscious just kind of calling the shots, directing the show without our being aware of it. So, you know, normally we experience the unconscious through our dreams, for instance, or we might act unconsciously by, you know, acting out or, you know, having some kind of extreme response to a situation that isn't maybe warranting that kind of extreme response and by working with the tarot we can instead like bring whatever is going on into this medicinal healing space where we can then work with it in a conscious and directed way do you work with the tarot um no I mean I've had lots of tarot readings but I've never actually well that's not true there was a time when I was reading about it and trying to teach myself but that was years ago. So I do know a little bit about it. But one of the things I feel like those experiences with tarot and stuff felt to me and what I really liked about it and what I think I really like about other forms of of magic is this idea that you're getting information, but you have a choice in what you do with that information. And I think sometimes when people approach stuff like tarot astrology and stuff, they're like, Oh no, (laughs) they're like, Oh, it's going to be bad or, or, or something like that and feel like they have no autonomy in in it. And what I like to think about is how it, and this is also the path of higher self is like, and what you were saying, it's like, how, how do we work with the cards we've been dealt, no pun intended, but like, and, and how do we learn how to make use of our experiences in the past and, you know, our um, multi-generational trauma and all of these stuff and, and how to gain consciousness around that in order to share our gift, you know, our, our realizations, our awakening and and use it and a lot of the things I talk about on the podcast is this idea of portals and having different portals to your higher self you know whether that's through meditation or tarot or even how certain relationships can be portals into that lens where you see 
I guess you could say it the unconscious, but I also like to think about it as like seeing through the lens of love, which is kind of just for me, like just seeing through seeing truth, you know, where we are all connected and how important it is to expand your experience and, you know, and experiment with different portals and to kind of like find things that work for you, you know, and there's, you can never have too many ways <laughs> of, of going there and, and making it as easy as possible for you to plug in to that space. Mm, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not easy to be a human, you know, mm -hmm. no. and um, given the history of humanity, like we have a lot of uh, burdens that we're carrying through trauma, shame, you know, capitalist oppression, racial oppression, gender oppression, all of those kinds of things. And um we have a tendency to internalize all of that whole story that we're born into and then believe that there isn't something inherently wrong with us if we're not able to find the, you know, joy and inspiration and focus that we want in our daily lives. And yet so much in the world is organized around making it so that we don't have access to that. So those kind of portals or keys or thresholds that allow us to step back into a sense of belonging and a sense of presence and understanding of the world and, and a peace with ourselves are really essential. And there, there are so many different ways, right? Like you can meditate, you can be a scholar, you can work with herbs, you can work with your higher self, you can you know, do cognitive behavioral therapy. There's all sorts of ways to, to get there. And it's good that there are so many ways to get there because it's so challenging. It's so challenging. Our experience of the world is so challenging. And so whatever we have that appeals to our imagination or appeals to our specific way of being in the world, then, you know, we should take that. We should seize that and, and use that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I really like about listening to your podcast is your use of language and, and how you're describing um, the cards and kind of the visualization of that and, and the meaning and just, you know, how important words are. Because <laughs> I feel that I feel very connected, connected to language. We're all connected to language, but I feel like I really tried to recognize that we, people have a different relationship to language. Um, words have different meanings for different people. And that's something I really learned, especially just even sharing memes on Instagram, how, you know, in the, in the limit of two sentences, how do you portray this meaning and how do you say this thing in a way that is like understandable and also a way that evokes feeling and stuff like that. The practice of even writing memes, which is kind of funny to think about, but became like a spiritual practice for me, just in the way that trying to describe this stuff. And I'm interested in knowing your process. Are you just kind of channeling that stuff coming to you? Do you write beforehand? I know that we're we're playing this for your audience too, but for my audience, like you have to listen to Between the Worlds podcast and hear 
Amanda speak about the card because even, you know, I don't even know that much about tarot, but just listening to how beautifully you describe the world of one card is just, it's so poetic and it's just so awesome. So I was just interested in your, your process for that. Oh, thanks so much. That's so, I'm so honored to even know that you listen to the podcast because I'm such a fan of yours. But, um, well, yeah, I do a lot of research and brainstorming and what's the word for, like, it's called a hot pot where you put like carrots and potatoes and stuff and it like simmers all day. Like a goulash type thing. I like simmer. (laughs) I, I, I think about all the things that I I imagine, well, in witchcraft, there's this phrase called the weird, W-Y-R-D. And it's like this web of knowledge and connection and information that is spun by, you know, the Norns, the hands of fate. And um, it's what makes magic work, right? It connects all things. And so I pull out a card and then I, I kind of drum up or activate the weird within myself. And I start to feel out like a little spider, um, all the things that I feel like the card touches in my life and for me. And for me, what's so exciting about tarot is and, and the oracular or divination in general, that we are pulling from this history, from this lineage, you know, from the Western mystery tra- traditions like, you know, Hermeticism, which comes from, you know, Egypt and ancient Greece and alchemy and the transformation of base materials into gold and, you know, the Renaissance and, um, you know, shamanic practices throughout the world and all sorts of things. And then we're also pulling from our own well our own experiences, like the books that we've read, the the movies that we've seen, the relationships that we've had, the places that we've been. And, and with tarot, you build up a relationship over time. And that's probably the greatest challenge with tarot and probably a reason why, you know, people might abandon the practice is because there's so many cards and you have to build up all these relationships to, you know, the the figures in the cards and, and the numbers and the myths and what they mean. But for me, that's exciting because I like to get out of myself because my greatest misery comes from kind of feeling locked in my own mind with, yeah, with all the things we've been talking about, with my traumas, with my anxieties, with my fears, with the, you know, bad voices that say, you know, that I'm not good enough or whatever. And so for me, it feels like such a joyful relief to find a way to get out. I feel like the literary or language is, I always see it as like, a rope. I heard this podcast once where they were talking about this deep, deep, deep cave in Africa somewhere that um, is like the deepest cave in the world and it's full of water. And people have tried to dive in it and many people have died. And they were talking about this time when they were going to retrieve this body and you have to hold on to this little rope. Like, otherwise you'll lose your perspective completely. Oh my God, this is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm like... No, 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 no. I'm just saying like the idea of like being in that space is... Right, because because you can get the bends as well, like, because it's so deep. 
and there's nothing like your light can't shine on anything, right? There's no walls to bounce it off of because it's so huge down there. And if you lose that rope, that's it for you. Like you, you can't find your way back because you don't know which way is up and all of that. Anyway, I, I, a long time ago realized that magical practices like tarot, like literature, like trance, magic, witchcraft, like that's my rope, right? When I feel like I can, I can just drift off into nothingness, which I think a lot of people who have, you know, plenty of trauma in their lives have that feeling, you know, it's just kind of built in. But I feel like as long as I can, I can hold on to that rope, like I know which way is up and it, and it gives me a line to connect with resource, like the people in the boat who are waiting for me <laughs> to pull me up, you know, like my ancestors or my friends or my community, like that's what I feel like tarot does for me, like language does that for me as well, because it's that connection, that line of connection to something that I feel like is beautiful and restorative. When if I look out in the world, it's just, I feel like it's very bleak, but it connects me to the things that I love and that are beautiful. One of the things that I really love about your work and your practice is how relatable and courageous it is. You know, like a lot of the time people who are in positions such as yours, you know, your work is very celebrated and very well known. Like a lot of people try and present themselves as if they don't experience anxiety, self-doubt you know, struggles in their relationships. And that's what makes them an expert because their life is so great. (laughs) And what I love about your work is, A, how relatable it is. I feel like I'm always looking at, listening to your, your memes and thinking, oh, I feel the same way. I go through the same thing. And also, speaking of language, how concise you are. Because for me, that is like the most challenging things to, you know, get all the things that I'm thinking into like a a really refined, clear statement. I would love to hear about your process of how you came to interest in relating to the higher self, how you came up with that idea, which catapulted you to stardom. And then like how you, how you work through your own ideas. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because, well, I've been an artist, a musician, a visual artist for a long time. And I was kind of you know, struggling with the up and down of, am I going to be successful or not for so long in in New York and waiting tables and all of that. And I had been on a spiritual path for a long time in various ways, just like reading books and doing yoga and and that kind of thing. But in 2016, I ended a long-term relationship or I actually, I got dumped. And at the time it was so like, difficult. It was such a difficult experience for me because I had all these expectations for that relationship. The breakup really triggered all my fears of inadequacy and acceptance and love, you know, and abandonment. And I went through a period of like feeling really, really depressed. And one day when I was feeling really, really low, I was sitting on my bed and I just kind of closed my eyes and I had this vision of another one of myself, like (laughs) myself where I was like out of body and I could see myself on the bed where I was. And I looked at myself and I, and I saw like all of the like pain and the fear. And I just 
put my arm around myself and I, and I just said, you're okay. You're, there's nothing wrong with you. You're enough just how you are. Like, it's okay. And I had, and it gave me such a feeling of like surrender. It was like this whole weight got lifted off my shoulders. And I realized in that moment that I had been you know, searching for all of this validation in all these different ways for so long. And it had been right there the whole time, you know, I needed to validate myself. And I was, I was the one that was going to do that. You know, no, nothing else was going to do that. And after that experience, I kind of started feeling better um, and in little ways. And right around that time was when that evil Kermit meme was going around. Oh, yeah. And it had like, you know, for those who don't know that it's like two Kermits, one has like the dark Sith Lord cloak around him. And it's like the lower, it's like the lower, it's like the me thought and then like the lower thought, you know, like, and I was like, I really loved it. But I was like, this is not helpful to me right now. (laughs) Like this type of like humor, like, you know, and I feel like it was so prevalent, you know, this like that type of humor. And I was like, well, what if I did one a meme then it was like the higher voice the the voice that I was really trying to find within myself or you know kind of like start implementing in my life way more I had glimpses of it before but now I something like major had shifted and so one day I just kind of made a, uh, a meme I made like a few memes and probably the third day of me sharing uh, I saw that uh, Chani Nicholas liked it which for those who don't know She's an awesome astrologer. And at the time I was like a big fan of hers. I still am a big fan of hers, but I was like, whoa, you know? And so, and I saw that she liked it. And um, I had taken one of her workshops and part of the workshop was about like uh, your second house, which is like your gifts and your 10th house. And I had assumed it was gonna teach me that I'm gonna be this like performer and this person, you know? But, you know, my 10th house is in cancer and so much. So it's about really a lot about nurturing. Yeah. Oh, my God. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And so anyway, I, I mess DM'd her and I said, hey, I, you know, I saw that you liked my meme. And I just wanted to tell you that I took one of your workshops and you and it really inspired me. And I think it's like informing this stuff somehow. And, and then she was like, are you a Libra? And I was like, yes. <laughs> And then she was like, keep going. And so I just kind of made a decision that I would only share those memes on my Instagram would be the only thing that I would put on Instagram, even though I was doing all of these other types of this other type of art and stuff. And just kind of made a decision that I would just do that. And it became like a spiritual practice for me and a creative practice. And I had no expectation for it at all. And thinking about it now, (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure that a lot of people that I was friends with at the time were probably in their head, like, what are you doing? You know, like, what is this? But I just knew something in, in me was telling me that I needed to just keep going. And so, you know, that's what started in 2016. So over the years of hundreds of memes, I really started to understand more and also through people's reactions to them. I, I felt like I really started to understand what was helpful 
um, for myself and for other people and what language made people feel safe. Like what? Like what is helpful for other people and what language does help them feel safe? Um, I, I guess, I don't know if I would say, I could say, actually, you know, hold on one second. I'm going to show you something. Okay. I'm bringing it. Okay. Okay. So in the very early days of me making the memes, I shared some and I felt so good about it. Right afterwards, I was like, I took out this piece of paper and I wrote on it and I still have the paper right here. And it says, what do people need now? And it says, freedom to be themselves a safe space, inspired to contribute to humanity, a unique voice, self-expression, to feel loved, respected, and appreciated, to heal from past trauma. And then I wrote, how can I help? I love that. And I decided that I wouldn't say anything unless it fit into this list. That is so great. And that's kind of been like a guideline. I'm sure I've got, you know, strayed from it at times but that has served as kind of like a guide for me and I don't know where that came from it I I just channeled that you know hmm. um so I guess I think there's a lot of people talking on the internet in ways that are difficult <laughs> and I'm not saying they I think they have a role you know, everybody has a role in, in how they use language and some language works for other people. And I, I kind of just think about it in terms of what what's what would make me feel good. And inevitably, there are people who are relate to how, how I feel or how I think or how I relate. And we that's why it's so good that there's this whole spectrum of people out here doing it their way. And that's also why I don't get too bogged down when I see the way that some people approach you know facilitating change that kind of is hard for me to watch and sometimes I get like oh but why do they have to be so mean or something or like so you know but then I remember that you know people have different relationships to language to their experience they're inspired by different things different types of energy at different times in their life different and different stages of their journey and I just kind of trust that who I am right now and how I would say it is you know my greatest asset is my authenticity and that's kind of how I've just tried to just trust that faith you know that if I'm feeling it then somebody else is too. Absolutely. I so agree with that. I, I think of it in terms both of ecology and of astrology, actually, because in astrology, you know, if you look at the wheel of the zodiac, it is a wheel, right? So it, 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 it's not a binary. It's not like over here, this is good. And this is bad. It's not like Libra good, Aries bad. They need each other to balance each other out in order to make that wheel, right? And the same is true ecologically. So when we have a monoculture where every, you know, the only thing in this field is corn, then it's like it, it weakens, it weakens the corn, it weakens the ecology, it weakens all the other animals and plants and beings in the biosphere. But when we have a diversity of plants, animals, beings, and they're all doing like what they do best, you know, and they're all fulfilling their authentic self and pursuing their needs and desires and 
in in concert and collaboration with one another, then that's when an ecosystem thrives. And I also think that's true within like the creative ecosystem as well. And so figuring out like what one's voice is, like what is what is genuinely true for you, and then following that, I feel like that is that rope too, right? Where you just hold on to that that authentic voice of like, okay, but I really do feel this way and this is really who I am. This is really what I believe in and this is what I care about. And that gives you some kind of a guidance or a path to follow. And I, I love the clarity of your, your vision and your courage around that and, and your compassion for, for yourself and the world. That it, it just, um, that it opened things up for you when, you when you weren't sure the direction to go and when you felt lost because of your breakup. That like really listening to your heart rather than criticizing it, telling it should be doing something different, saying something different than what it felt or what it was doing. It becomes a lot easier to create when you realize it's not just for you, you know, and and it's not just about you. And it's really not you. (laughs) Like you're channeling it, you know what I mean? And, And take the ownership away you know, like take the ego out of it. And it just became so much easier for me to create when I realized that like, this isn't actually really about me. Like this is about all of, all of us. And, and yet like there's this kind of riddle, right? Because it's not about you. And when you create, and you know, for me, I think often like, okay, maybe not everyone will love this, but maybe there's one person out there who this will like really matter to. And so I'm making that work for them. Um, But also I find that my work is less strong when I'm worried about what other people will think of it ironically, right? So when I'm like thinking, will this, that, or the other person like this? Um, Will somebody criticize this? Um, Will this not resonate? Will this not get this number of likes or whatever? I find that that also really destabilizes my practice. And I have to always return to like, what do I care about? What matters to me? What inspires me? And it's a process of kind of uncovering or excavating that. Hey, Bunny. Hey, Kara. You know what's cool about this podcast? What? That we get to help people and bring them together. Yeah, it's really, really cool. But we need help too, don't we? (laughs) Yeah, we do. I mean, everybody does, right? For access to bonus content and to help support this podcast, please become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com forward slash exo higher self. We couldn't do this work without you. Our Patreon and our subscribers are keeping this podcast sustainable. So don't forget to show your love. Everybody needs help and support. Thanks y'all. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, do you ever worry about what other people think of your work? Oh, yeah, all the time. I do all the time. It's a constant practice of trying to acknowledge those thoughts, but also like to know that just because I'm having them doesn't mean that it's real. You know, it's just a thought and it's it's like, oh, okay. Like that's the human in me. That's like the that that's my triggers speaking. That's my wounds. That's my fears. And that's all fine, but that's not ultimately who I really am. And it's just a temporary experience of them. And it always, it always stops eventually. And I kind of accept it as part of it because I don't expect myself to be like, (laughs) I'm not an enlightened master. I'm not going to and act or even act like one, like, of course I'm having those thoughts. I'm like a human being living in this time um, and on social media every single day. And it is a balance between wanting to help people and then (laughs) using people for your own validation. Like, I think if you're not careful, you can get really greedy when it comes to that type of attention. That was like a realization that I had at one point where I was so focused on the number of likes and the number of followers. And I was like, this is just pure greed. You know, that that's what really what it is. It's just like the more I have, the more I am. This is pure greed where I'm like judging this, you know, and and need more, 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 more. No amount is enough. Um, And when you're in that perspective, you also lose sight of the people that are there and valuing that valuing whoever is there, whoever shows up or whoever is looking to you for some kind of support. So yeah, I still struggle with that, but I guess I just feel like in terms of sharing all that stuff and being honest about like those vulnerabilities and everything, it is hard at times. I do reach certain points where I'll, sometimes I'll share something, then I'll just kind of cry after, but I think that it's worth it. And I also, I also don't know any other way to be. I I couldn't turn it off if I tried. I couldn't stop if I tried because I don't see what could be more important than living a life where you're trying to awaken more love. Like, I just don't see what could be more important than that. I mean, yeah, I, I have a lot of clients who are artists or creatives who, come to me you know it's hard to make it in that world you know to make your living in that way and they'll ask you know should I just give up should I just quit but the thing is like if you're an artist you can't just quit and you won't ever be able to so you can you could stop making art but always throughout the rest of your life you'll be thinking about it and you'll be like, should I start making it again should I just do this so it's the same with that relationship to self-love inspiration like yeah you could give up hope 
and you could be like, maybe I should just stop trying, stop trying to be close to people or whatever, but you'll always want to, and you'll always be thinking of it. And we have this idea that there's this permanence where we can just like turn something off, you know, like I should stop feeling that way, or I should stop doing something, or I should focus on this other thing, but we can't turn our, ourself off. We can't turn who we really are off. And so we might as well just embrace it and show up. I love what you talk about in your work, that higher self. I, there's a notion of the holy guardian angel or, you know, a, a guardian spirit that is exists in ceremonial magic. And I have that same relationship, you know, where like when I'm feeling so low or blue or depressed, there is an entity, a spirit that I have access to that can come to me and just love me like unconditionally, who doesn't believe all the things that I might be conditioned to say about myself. And um, I also feel like that spirit is the muse. I think that 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 holy guardian angel who cares for you and believes in you and can see through to your goodness is also the one who inspires you and leads you towards creativity. Yeah. And another thing I just want to touch about, like the people who are trying to do their art as a career or as a way to make money. One of the things that really helped me on the path of building that, which, you know, takes a lot of work just for the love of it. Like, let's just be real. Like it, like you have to just want to do it for the love of it first. I I feel like, because otherwise, even if you make a ton of money, it won't be enough after a little bit, you know, there'll always be another level. If you're focused on the level, there'll always be more and you'll always find a reason to not be good enough. When are you looking at it from that perspective? But what helped me when I was like waiting tables and, you know, for so long was acknowledging that that waiting tables job was sustaining my art. And that was something that enabled me to be an artist. So we can't define ourselves through this like capitalist lens. We can't expect capitalism or to give us our value. Like it's so distorted. It's not real. It's like so messed up. And it's funny because people at the same time will be like, fuck capitalism, or they'll be like, fuck racism or fuck. But then they look to the system to give their work value and it's not going to do that you know like it it can you can have your ups and downs in your career your business might be successful at certain times in your life maybe there'll be a lull maybe you'll reach a peak and then downward like since that peak you know and the whole time the only thing that really is going to, to, to sustain you is realizing that you have a purpose that is way bigger than your career or your money or your life even, you know? And when I say like, it's not about me, I think I mean in terms of that the me is everything, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I share a really similar view in that um, I think that each of us, each being, everything in existence is essentially the goddess, God, spirit, having that experience so for instance like I'm the goddess having an Amanda experience you know she's experiencing the world as Amanda and and so like there's something fundamentally sacred about all of it 
And I, I so agree with you too about like not needing, you know, capitalist or pursuing capitalist validation in order to feel like a success in life. On the other hand, I too also understand that it there's so much pressure in to to do that like the entire civilization has been organized to make you think that you've been trained to think that since you know you were a child since you were in the womb your mother was trained to think that her mother was trained to think that so if you can't find a way to validate yourself or you feel like the only way to validate yourself is through the money that you're making you know it's understandable and it also means that you know, we have to cultivate and help each other cultivate other values and see the beauty and the worth and the value in our community and the people around us and the things around us, recognizing that beauty, calling it out, naming it, using language to to call that forth and say, I see this, you know, and seeing it in ourselves like that. For me, that's what witchcraft is, you know, since that's my main practice is about finding that agency within oneself to withstand or to transmute, to transform the world around us into something that is beautiful and whole. And I think it's from that place where you acknowledge your worth that you're empowered to do that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's through through finding that little glimmer of light of something that you love, that you have compassion for, and something that you're inspired about and interests you, even if it's just the littlest thing, and then moving towards that thing. Yes. There's always something. You know, when some, when people ask me, like, oh, I don't know what my purpose here is. I don't know where to start in terms of finding my role in this. I always ask, you know, what do you feel passionate about? You know, what do you feel inspired by? What have you been through that, you know, was an important thing? What have you learned? How do you think your experiences could help another person? What makes you happy? And a lot of the time people can't identify that because we're, we're so conditioned to focus on the things that are already existing. Yeah. Or that are going wrong. I mean, I think we're even like, there's like a biological or neurological imperative to, to focus on what could harm us. Right. Because like, if the tiger's chasing you, you know, it's important to notice that, (laughs) but, um, but it's also important to notice what is beautiful and what is good. And so that's like just an activity that you can do like a really simple, journaling activity is at the end of the day write down a few things that you were inspired by that day or a few things that you noticed that were beautiful that day and the more you start to pay attention to them the more they'll start to happen the more that they'll start to grow and then after a month you can look back you know after a moon cycle you can look back and be like this is what I'm interested in you'll start to see patterns just you know you might be keep noticing plants or maybe you watched a movie that was really inspiring to you or you had a really great conversation with a friend and then you'll notice like oh you know relationships with people that are close to me really inspire me relationships inspire me I'm going to do and pursue and go more deeply into that or maybe you keep noticing these flowers on the street and so then you notice horticulture or you know growing things inspires you and you maybe didn't notice that before because you were focused on what was hurting you in a way Mm -hmm. I know letting yourself feel joy and happiness can sometimes be the most uncomfortable state for yourself because you're just so not used to it. I know for me, like 
every time something good happens, you know, like I get this feeling in my stomach and I feel like I'm going to throw up. Like my anxiety is just so big. And it's because I think it's just such a new feeling for me because I've been doing all of this work for so long, just every single day. And and so in the past year, when things have, when some of the fruits of my labor have come into my, into my life, I just got just ill. The fear comes in the like imposter syndrome comes in the like, you know, so it's like sometimes getting what you want can actually be like something that's really difficult to hold to. And it all, it just made me further realize that even when you have what you want, if you're, if your place where you go home or your portal isn't secure, you know, if, you, if that's not the priority, then you're going to have a difficult time. And I guess what I'm saying is that even when things are going really right, that's also when you really need to make sure that you check what's important to you and, and keep that at the forefront. Not just when things are going wrong, but when things are going right, because it's that easy to lose, to lose yourself too in that way. That is so real. I found like the, the more I've stepped into success exactly as you said like the more anxiety I mean I always felt a lot of anxiety but yeah, the more um successful I've become in you know th- that I've been able to to do what I want to do which feels like success to me you know that I get to spend my days doing what I want in theory yeah there's been so much anxiety of like oh I could lose this I need to just keep working harder and harder and you know you forget to enjoy it I had a therapist once that talked about like your speed limits and that we have this sense of like how happy we're allowed to be or how fulfilled or at peace we're allowed to be and for a lot of us it's not very big you know it's pretty small and when we start to reach that place we have these like built-in speed limits that make us kind of Uh, collapse or pull back or back off when we get to, you know, when we're pushing 65 and we just, you know, have an immediate like decelerator. And so a lot of the practices of spirituality or therapy or, you know, mindfulness are about helping us increase our speed limits so that we have the capacity to experience more joy, more peace without feeling like, oh, this, there's something that's really going to go wrong now. Something, you know, like something's going to happen. Or if I don't keep like hustling, then, you know, I'm going to lose all of this. or I'm going to die. Even like we, we have it. Our ego feels like this is the end of the world. It's like, it's so we just go for one thing and another. Like it was funny. I was talking to my, I have a really good friend who got married at the, on the same day, actually, as me and my spouse. So we didn't get to go to each other's weddings. It just ended up having that way. But we've been friends for a really long time. And after we got married, I remember having this conversation where he was like, you know, you spend all these years worried that you're not going to find your person. And then you get your person. Now you're just worried they're going to die. And I'm like, I know. (laughs) It's like our brain, you know, our, our brain is just constantly searching. And and all of that, those experiences and all of those thoughts are, are totally human. And I think the more we talk about them, the less we make them turn them into something 
into like, there's something wrong with us and start that cycle all over again, the more we can kind of laugh at it, the more we can kind of be like, oh, there I go again, going on that train and, and really like take the power away from that. Because sometimes, especially people who are on this path, spiritual path or, or self-improvement path, who are just trying to, you know, be their best self and, and be accountable. I think that we can be some of the hardest people on ourselves and the most critical because we think that that's going to be helpful. But I think a lot of the times what ends up happening is we just, it's, it's the same voice, but in like a different language where it's saying you're not good enough. Well, I think a lot of us have this idea that if we are at peace with ourselves, that we won't we won't do what is necessary to be done in a in like a capitalist system. Like for instance, like if I'm at peace with myself, then I won't work hard and then I won't be able to pay my rent and then I won't um, you know, then I'll like lose everything, I'll lose all my relationships, I'll get really sick, I won't have support. And those fears are are founded in a sense because like we do live in a in a culture that has no safety net. On the other hand, that also means that then we risk like never feeling peace, never feeling, you know, like we are okay, like never being able to enjoy that love that we've been looking for for so long or enjoy that creative practice that we long to do and then finally have time to do. And that's why I think focusing on the things that do give us joy and pleasure is so important. And I think that a lot of time, you know, there's a really big conversation happening about like spiritual bypassing and, you know, not acknowledging the trauma, not acknowledging oppression and, you know, or illness or whatever people might be going through. And to say, well, like focus on the positive or focus on the light is, is dismissive. And, and, and it is true that like we, we do need to acknowledge those realities. And simultaneously, it's also true that if we only acknowledge those realities, that, that we'll lose the, the ability to, to find what makes life worth living for us. And, and, and that is the thing that will help us dismantle those realities. It's like um, Tony Cade Bambara and Adrienne Marie Brown often talk about like making the revolution irresistible, you know, making the revolution so delicious that we can't help but want to go there, that we can't help but want to do the thing that is necessary to be done. And, and in fact, that is how we will change the world. Yes, I, I agree with that. And it is hard during this time to both talk about injustice and talk about oppression and at the same time have a conversation about compassion and forgiveness. And, and I think that, or at least internet culture has a really, has a certain idea of that compassion means condoning behavior or condoning things that are wrong or, you know, and for me, it's really just directly looking at the behavior, but also and seeing like the truth behind it, seeing it at the causal level. And when you can see a, another human being or, and how I refer to it as seeing their higher self, who they are beyond their conditioning and, and beyond all of that stuff that isn't really their true self, being able to see other people through that lens empowers you. It, it helps you take things less personal. It helps you understand what boundaries you need. It helps you know whether to say something or to walk away. It, it, and, and to me, it's really about that lens 
of love and seeing through the lens of your higher self, through the lens of love, which is a whole other reality to where you, you see this human experience and you know you're here to help transform that human experience. But you also know that that's not the full story <laughs> at all. And that's what keeps you grounded in that work and knowing that you are so much more than your story and your trauma and your body even so much more of that stuff. It actually helps you to be able to value because you're not using those things in order to, to validate yourself. You know, it also happens in relationships when you stop using another person to give you your worth, you can actually get to know that person for who they are. You can actually experience the job. You can actually do your art with so much more freedom when you stop using it as a way to make you good enough. And it's like, we're using all of these things and we're taking the joy out of it because of it, you know? Well, what you're really talking about, it sounds to me is uh, intimacy. You know, that when we're projecting or like needing validation constantly from other people that we're not able to see them for who they are. We're not able to let them know who we really are. And that that intimacy, real intimacy is that seeing and being seen. And the, the veil that we have to pull back in order to do that is, you know, all, all this veil of projection that we've been talking about. And I also think like with the compassion piece, the degree that we're able to have compassion for, for other people is the degree that we're able to have it for ourselves so that we know that like, if, if I believe that everyone deserves compassion, then that also means that even when I do, you know, X, Y, or Z, even at my worst moments, even at the times when I felt most ashamed or most anxious or most lost, that even when I was most lost, I deserve compassion. I deserve love. I deserve care. And so it's, you know, the way that we relate to the world is also the way that we relate to ourself. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Do you want to do one of these uh, questions? Yeah, we should probably, we've been yeah. going on. Right? Yeah, we should we've probably... been going. Okay, let me see this listener question. Okay, got it. All right. This is a question from an Exo Higher Self listener. Thank you for sending it in. Okay. Question is, my girlfriend and I have been together a few years, most of which has been really joyous and lovely. We just moved to a new state in a studio apartment together a little over half a year ago. And she also recently started taking hormones to transition. All the changes have been a lot more difficult for her than me. And now our relationship is suffering. We've both changed a momentous amount recently, and now it's feeling like we're extremely misaligned. She's experiencing a lot of insecurity amplified by the fact that she loves me more than she loves herself. I know that she's working on it, but I feel like I'm spread too thin emotionally supporting her and looking for resources and community for her. I do really want to support her and our relationship in a sustainable and nourishing way. So the advice I'm seeking is how to stay patient with a partner who needs to go through an extreme amount of personal and emotional growth in order for me to want to stay with her long term. I really, really love her. And I see and appreciate the effort she's putting in to be more proactive and less reliant on me. 
it stinks that I feel like she's just been holding me back from living my life the way I desire because of her attachment and the way she influences my decisions and lifestyle. I'm really losing my patience with her these days as my life and connections outside of her are blooming and flourishing and fulfilling. I almost feel like I'm betraying her by being this honest, but I'm opt optimistic that alignment is possible again. I just don't know when or how to prevent feeling resentment in the meantime. Hmm. That sounds like a really hard, a lot of, a lot of emotion in there. What comes up for you around that? What comes up for me around that is that your partner is just started taking hormones and transitioning. And that is a really challenging, um, experience to go through. And it makes absolute sense that she is struggling with that and experiencing insecurity. Not only the fact that transitioning in this society is extremely difficult and can be very frightening experience for a lot of people, but also because that realization and doing that can also bring up so many other issues where it has to do with family or previous relationships, feeling accepted, body image stuff, all kinds of things. And I guess what I, what I think could be helpful at this time is helping your partner find support outside of the relationship, because that is definitely something that she needs to have, whether it's therapist, counselor, group therapy, somebody who has experience and can, and she can relate to in terms of experience. So she can go and talk to um, people who can see her in this moment, because I feel like this time, at, during this time, she's extremely vulnerable. And I recognize that you are struggling, especially if you're her only source of support. And no matter, even if she was not transitioning or not, if you're her only source of support, that's going to be a very difficult position to be in anyway. Um, and it's okay that your patience is running out. But I think I do, I do want to recognize how difficult the situation is for your partner and, and how deserving they are of the support that they do need, whether that's that from their partner, but also outside of that and finding that kind of, would, wouldn't you agree? I, I do agree. And I also have kind of a, a different perspective because I feel like everything that you said is absolutely true. And I really feel for their partner in this circumstance because it is such a, like this culture is so violent and uh, towards people who are transitioning and it can provoke so much anxiety and stress. And I'm also hearing from this person who wrote in 
that they've kind of reached their maximum capacity and they're really wrestling with whether or not they can maintain this relationship long term. And what I really hear is that um, they're focusing a lot of their energy and time on you know, getting this person resources, getting their partner resources, getting their partner support, feeling what their partner is feeling, that throughout their question, they spent a lot of time talking about their partner. And it was almost like they were having difficulty accessing how they were feeling, what their experience was. And so I do feel like they need you know, that it would be wonderful for them to to help even more get their, their partner support. And I feel like they really need support. Like, I feel like since it's them who's writing in this question, like, I feel like I can hear in their voice that, like, they are feeling really unresourced. And um, if they don't attend to their own resources, if they don't attend to their own feelings, if they don't recognize, like, what they can do and what they can't do, then the risk for their the risk of breaking up i feel like increases to the degree that they're not able to hold and contain their own energy because they can end up getting really really exhausted and resentful so i would recommend um remembering what inspires you what nourishes you person who asked this question like what you care about and and setting some boundaries so that you can go do those things that you can resource yourself that you can find connection again and I think the more that you can focus on your well-being the more strength you'll have and the more patience you'll have because ultimately their question was like how can I have the patience Mm -hmm. and like I can clearly hear in their statement that they they do understand how much their partner is struggling. But what I don't hear them saying so much is like that they understand their own struggle and need for support. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And it could also look like a, con- a conversation with their partner about how do we both get our needs met? in this relationship because both of our needs are valid yes, and important. And what does support look like outside of this relationship and both people needing to be committed to that committed to, to taking care of themselves and working on themselves and using the resources available for that. Um, I do think that because she just started transitioning, that there's going to be a time period where she is more vulnerable than, you know, than normally would be, or maybe later on after, you know, she's had some time to, to really um, understand because there's also hormonal changes going on. Um, There's a, there is, literally a period of transition. And so I I just wanted to also point out that in relationships, in committed relationships, there's going to be periods of time where one person has to step up a little bit more for the other person and you switch. And I guess not knowing your relationship history and, you know, has there been other times in the relationship where, where she's, you know, had like supported you through a rough period, you know, and 
do you feel like if 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 you were struggling that she would even be able to give you the type of support you need that you know there's only so much that we can tell from this email i was thinking i could pull a card oh my god great idea should we pull a card for them yes love okay. that okay so i pull a card and the card that you get is strength it's a major arcana and the the strength card often implies um, that that we are going through a time that is building our muscle. I kind of think of it like a workout, you know, like if you go to the gym and, you know, you like you get to a place where you're like, I feel like I can't do this. This, uh, this, this aerobics class might be like too much for me, but that is actually what builds your muscle, you know, like um, as a dancer. You know, when you're when you're sore the next day, then, you know, you like really you really worked hard. And so there's um, there's an implication that this is a time when you are building strength and that you're building fortitude and that if you can see it like that, that it could that it could be useful to you. But also the strength card is about the voice that you use with yourself and with others, the strength card almost always depicts a, a woman or an angel kind of gentling a lion or a big beast. And this card is often referred to as the lady of the beasts. And so the beast is our fear, our anxiety, our passion, our power, our animal nature, the part of us that is wild and uncontrollable. And the the angel is gentling the beast, is working with the beast, is nourishing the beast, is nurturing the beast, rather than being the lion tamer towards the beast and like whipping the beast or pushing a chair at it or starving it to get it to do what it wants to do. So I feel like this card is always about, you know, strength as love, strength as compassion so, and the voice and the, and the practices that we have for relating to ourself, our own beast, like our own fears, our own anxieties, and then also the anxieties and fears in others. So I think um, it goes back to what you were saying about like having those conversations, those gentle conversations, that those unbridled passions that are very scary can also be very beautiful you know they can lead us to our wild nature and it's about how we relate to them and the voices that we use to speak to ourselves so maybe we need this person you know needs to invoke their their higher self their guardian angel in order to help them navigate this situation what do you think yeah I totally agree with that and it also made me think about how um they wrote I feel like she's been holding me back from living my life the way I desire because of her attachment and the way she influenced my decisions and lifestyle. To me, that line is says more about, you know, her perspective and her understanding of the dynamics and her role in the relationship. And whether or not their partner is going through a difficult time is not going, should not have complete power over your life you know and 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 a lot of times these situations happen because we we are needing to learn a more mature way of being in a relationship where we do have those boundaries we do have those outside support systems where we don't 
use our partner as um, as the end all be all of our life. Um, and that actually helps you be a better support because you're not so bogged down because you do understand that what they're going through doesn't define you as a person either and that you have your own autonomy. And so advocating for your needs, talking about your feelings around this and having those conversations isn't just about, you know, you being able to um, get your needs met, but it's also about nurturing the relationship towards an actual healthy relationship towards a relationship that's actually going to work in the long run. Because until that stuff is addressed, that the issue of you feeling held back by that person, even if something changed, you know, next month, it got better, whatever, this stuff is, but that issue isn't going to go away. Yeah. Until you address like your own, you know, feelings of autonomy within the relationship, because there's going to be ups and downs no matter what. And yeah. So I feel like it would come up in a different form. Exactly. that. I mean, that's what I meant by saying that like they needed to address their own feelings because mm -hmm. like thinking that someone is holding you back is meaning that you're not doing the things that you want to do. But that's kind of an inside job. Like your partner can be depressed or scared or anxious, um, but that doesn't mean that you can't do the things that you want to do. And if you start doing the things that you want to do, then maybe you'll feel less stressed by their stress. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know that for sure. And, you know, when it comes to like, I mean, I, I, I haven't transitioned or anything, but I have had gone through a lot with hormones because I had like a thyroidectomy in 2019 which started me on this real roller coaster of up and down hormone dosing and just mood swings. And it was a really difficult time in my life. And I know I was really hard to be around. I know that for sure. Cause I was really, I mean, I was having a hard time with myself <laughs> and I would have these, you know, and, it, and I would, it would make me feel so discombobulated so insecure, so like, um, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm feeling or why I'm feeling it or why this is coming on and nah, 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 nah. And I guess I'm just saying that because it did get better when your body does adjust to those changes and you do kind of level out over time. So there's also that aspect I just wanted to point out that, you know, some of this stuff is really like biological too. And there's different times in our life where hormones are going to have different effects on us. They're going to make us behave in certain ways that aren't always that great to be around. And, you know, hopefully as we understand that more and we get more educated on that stuff and we can have a little bit, um, we can have a little bit uh, more space to kind of put that in its own container over there and live your life, you know, and not feel like this is how it's going to be forever. Victory to the goddess. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Total agreement. Well, Bunny, it has been such a deep pleasure being with you. I am so excited to get to know you and to, to go deeper into your work. And I'm so, I feel so lucky and blessed to have spent this time with you. I would love to share with our listeners um, 
where they can find out more about you, like if they want to follow your work or, you know, what, how can they stay connected? Yeah, well, um, my podcast is EXO Higher Self. You can follow me at Bunny Michael and like all social handles at Bunny Michael. Um, you can also check out my web series, which I just released. It's called What Would Higher Self Do? And you can stream all episodes at whatwouldhiresselfdo.com. What would higher self do? I cannot wait to binge watch. What would higher self do? <laughs> um, and you? Yeah. So for me, uh, please do check out our podcast, Between the Worlds podcast, uh, where we talk about all things tarot and magic. And you could buy my book, Initiated Memoir of a Witch, and that can help you decide whether or not you too are a witch and help you understand the ways that your life has initiated you to find your own power and authenticity and magic. And you can find me at Oracle Valet on Instagram, or you can book an appointment with me at oracleoflosangeles.com. Yay! 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 Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you so much, Bunny. So glad to be here. And thank you, Carolyn, for your support behind the scenes. Yes, thank you, Carolyn. Exo Higher Self is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, hosted by me, Bunny Michael, produced by Kara Gilvey, with original music and sound mixing by Michael Bihari. 